it also provides a better reliability to the, to the peers mm -hmm. because you have more nodes that are trustworthy out there. You're basically going to increase the overall, overall reliability of the network. Um, and this is a bit, you're going to be specifically careful if you, if you are connecting over a network such as Store or ITP uh, with that because they're quite vulnerable to DDoS attacks and that kind of thing. Now, I know Tor has hardened quite a bit recently by having a proof of work requirement to prevent some types of uh, DDoS attacks. Mm -hmm. But um, the reliability is, is what you're going to get out of it. This week on Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source and you always control your own keys. And by Stealth EX, an instant exchange where privacy is the top concern. Go to StealthEX.io to instantly exchange between Monero and 450 plus assets without having to create an account or register and with no limits. Making Stealth EX a simple way to purchase Monero with crypto anonymously. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever. By typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Monero.com or Cake Wallet send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Douglas Tuman talks to fellow contributors of the Monero Nodo project. Francisco Cabañas, a.k.a. Arctic Mine, a member of the Monero Core team, Brindle, a.k.a. Interloper, a programmer active in the Monero community, and Abdullah Khan, a computational designer and artist who is Doug's co-founder and is leading the entire project. Together, they talk about the Nodo, a plug-and-play Monero node device. They go through the technical details of the device and the easy setup process, explain how the Monero Nodo is specifically made to run a Monero node, and what advantages it gives over something like a Raspberry Pi. They also show off the web UI for Monero Nodo, and most importantly, they discuss why anyone looking to help secure and grow the network and use Monero in the most secure and privacy-preserving way possible should run a node. Monero Talk starts now. All right. What's going on, guys? This is... Uh... This is amazing. This is amazing for anybody tuning in. It's also amazing for me because I, I don't think since working on this project, I don't. We haven't all been together and spoken about things. You know, obviously one on one, we've spoken to each other. And Abdullah, I've never spoken to you uh, via video, only via chat, and Telegram. So nice to more formally meet you. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, I'll quickly intro. So uh, Abdullah has essentially been running uh, the Monero Nodo project. He had reached out to me, I don't even know when now, maybe maybe you remember Abdullah. And we generally spoke about some different concepts that we were excited about that we may want to work on together. Uh, this was totally out of the blue. He had reached out to me, just like many people do in the Monero community. Uh, but Abdullah followed up. He, he was strong-willed. He wanted to, wanted to accomplish the project. We settled on the... Uh, building a Monero node. It was, it was something we were both uh, very interested in. We were both familiar with Monero Box, which was an attempt at what we've essentially um, brought to fruition here. And uh, it's 
been a matter of months, I think even years, uh, working on it. And th through that process, Abdullah has uh, associated with others in the Monero community. Uh, he's gotten guidance from Arctic Mine. We'll, we'll get into that. We have Arctic today. And Brindle, who, uh, has, who, who will also chime in, and he's kind of been behind the scenes uh, developing certain aspects of the Noto, mostly um, uh, coding aspects. So we'll get into it all. The real, the, the, the scope and purpose of the show today really is to give anybody who's interested in the Noto an overview of what the project is all about, uh, the, the tech that's involved, what we're looking to accomplish and just kind of give people a look underneath the hood. Um, and ultimately, what, what we're trying to do here is uh, do a pre-sale of the Noda, which we've already started. I think we've sold over 10 of them so far. We're hoping to sell, I don't know, anywhere from at least 20, 20 to 30 in the pre-sale, and that will give us the momentum to, to push the project forward and hopefully... Uh, set, start sending actual physical orders out within the next couple of months, but we'll get into that with Abdullah. So, Abdul, if you want to quickly introduce yourself first, kind of explain, I guess, why you're even interested in Monero in the first place and how you got involved in this, and then you can give a overview of the Noto, and we'll take it from there. Great. Um, uh, it's uh, great to be here. Uh, truly an honor, and uh, it's been... Um, uh, quite a journey as well. Um, uh, my name is uh, Abdullah Khan. I am a computational designer um, and uh, um, an artist. And um, um, I've had uh, lots of tech experience and uh, multinational corporate experience in the past. And I kind of uh, uh, left that life behind to kind of pursue my own uh, interests. And uh, it just so happens that um, uh, Monero just so uh, aligns perfectly with a lot of uh, my personal ethos as far as autonomy, personal uh, sovereignty, and uh, um, the freedom it entails. And uh, uh, there was, uh, I spotted, uh, there was clearly a need for a node, uh, uh, a plug-and-play node that was uh, basically um, uh, optimized for Monero. And, uh, you know, after reaching out to uh, Doug and uh, the talks and, you know, reaching out to Arting Mine as well, who it's been a pleasure to uh, be working with. Um, we've come up with a kind of a supercharged uh, portable node solution. And, uh, yep, uh, hopefully we'll be able to go over the aspects of, uh, of that today. And uh, and so the the key really uh, focus was uh, the integration between hardware and software, uh, the bandwidth requirements, and the long term scaling. Uh, the and if we begin by surveying what's available out there uh, as far as hardware is concerned, uh, nowadays uh, single board computers are. Uh, and uh, there are many models with varying inputs, outputs, and processing capabilities. And uh, uh, at the same time, uh, they, there have been, you know, major uh, cost reductions in uh, memory storage and SSDs, uh, fast uh, storage. 
And so uh, a lot of uh, factors really has allowed this uh, project to come about and, and the timing really is uh, quite uh, essential as well. And, uh, uh, and so uh, working with uh, 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 Arctic over, uh, we started with the scaling considerations, uh, which is the primary blockchain, being able to host uh, a full, uh, uh, a version of the, of the blockchain on uh, on a portable system that could run 24/7, and uh, yeah, we'll probably go into why uh, the, you would want to run your own node as well as uh, why it's uh, it's best to run uh, run a node 24/7. And so, uh, because of that, uh, we've come up with a, a hardware solution that is. Um, able to scale with Monero as we go forward into the next five years, including the upcoming surface uh, implementation. Um, and so we've got, uh, yeah, do you, uh, I think we, at this point, uh, uh, just some uh, overview of the features that we have. So apart from running a full Monero node, the Monero node will be able to uh, broadcast uh, incoming and outgoing connections uh, and maintain a full blockchain um, and broadcast over Clearnet, Tor, and ITP. Um, we're also running a full LWS, which is Light Wallet Server. Um, and so that kind of allows um, a, a bit more convenient with uh, Light Wallets, um, as well as uh, with gone to the trouble of um, um, integrating a lot of um, the requirements on board, like uh, displaying the SSD, as well as the de dedicated recovery button. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Brindel has been uh, working with me um, for the past uh, six months and uh, on um, on a fork of uh, PyNode XMR. Um, and uh, that essentially was the starting point for the software uh, because it had, it was feature rich. And, uh, you know, Dan also who, uh, could not be here today, but uh, he's been a long term collaborator as well. And uh, uh, he's, uh, he's also continued to, uh, you know, work with me and collaborate on uh, the future developments for, for both our projects, because now that they've kind of deviated. And, and so based on our hardware stack, we've uh, just streamlined the code and uh, also included a few new things like uh, the display, onboard display. And uh, we've also re overhauled the uh, web UI. And so, yep, uh, we'll be go going over that uh, as well. Um, a little bit, just to show you the prototype and what the uh, interface is uh, potentially going to look like. And uh, yep, at this stage, uh, we're about uh, uh, a month away, I would say, from uh, uh, seeing actual ship sets in our hands. And uh, so, uh, unless you guys want to chime in, I could go over the... Yeah, let me, yeah. um... So how many, who was involved in the project? Just let, let's just um, give some clarity there. You, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, Dan as well. 
uh, if you just give some clarity as to who was involved and what what components different people worked on. Well, uh, uh, the list is uh, quite extensive at this uh, time. Uh, this has been a global collaboration uh, with uh, many different uh, people across the globe, and uh, yep, uh, we've. Uh, I've managed to find a hardware supplier who is uh, very close to um, and uh, who has also a lot of experience with uh, manufacturing small chipsets, like the one they're going to be developing. And uh, so just just off the top of the list, Arctic, who has been great uh, and, you know, with the scaling aspects and also the, the unique uh, integrations that we have with the uh, hardware board. Uh, Dan has been um, uh, working on PyNode XMR for a number of years now, and uh, it's an open source project, and uh, it supports um, uh, all kinds of single board computers uh, with varying uh, inputs and outputs. And uh, the issue was with a lot of these uh, was that uh, they relied on slow or unreliable storage, like, uh, for example, attempting to run a, uh, the blockchain over a micro SD card. Um, uh, and so Dan has, has already you know, worked out a lot of the kinks. And with PyNode XMR, he'll be um, continuing to refine PyNode XMR in, uh, uh, to support uh, generic single board computer use. and. Um, uh, yep, we've also got um, uh, Charlie, who's uh, who's in um, uh, the state of Washington, and so he's he's going to be our uh, primary collaborator on uh, the chipset and the case manufacturing. Awesome, fantastic! Uh, let's let's jump over to Arctic. Well, it's been a pleasure to work with Abdullah on this. Um, my main focus, of course, has been to design it in order to maximize use of the existing and design hardware to allow for scaling to quite a significant amount. Um, I'm using a base transaction size of, um, of 3,000 bytes, which is more than what we would expect with... Um, Seraphis, and is roughly where we are right now, also more than what we expect right now. And it's interesting because you have to look at two things. I mean, we have to look at bandwidth. And the bandwidth that's most limiting for a Monero node, it's actually upward bandwidth. And then you have to factor in that you're serving uh, 12 other nodes, and you're doing that twice, because it's transmitting the, the mined blocks, and you're also transmitting the individual transactions. So this is, and this will be like the search capability. If you push it to its limit, then because of the bandwidth of the processor, you could max out on the USB ports, you could max out roughly at uh, four to five gigabits per second. Uh, and you can actually uh, service uh, a, an external array over USB 3 um, at those speeds, and you could push your... Um, uh, internet uh, bandwidth up to uh, close to four gigabits per second over USB 3. The, the device currently has, will be coming out with a 2.5 gigabit uh, per second uh, Ethernet connection. 
and the Wi-Fi is also in a comparable range. Uh, so those are sort of the, the connectivities that we have. If you crunch all the numbers, you actually get uh, approximately 6,500 transactions a second, which is about uh, 13,000 times what uh, Monero is doing right now. Um, that is the search when you max everything out. Uh, typically, when you consider scaling, um, I use a factor of 16. That means that this would be like what you would see on a search day just before, say, the holiday season where everybody's transacting. Visa has a factor roughly about 16 uh, to 20. And so above that, then what happens is you will have to start to drop some of the upward connections. Uh, the flip side, of course, also is that when you are syncing the node, you are actually also need the surge there. Uh, so your average would be about 1 16th of the, of the time and of all of the figures that I'm getting. So you're looking roughly at those numbers. So that's where the, the perspective is. If we move to a full membership proof, which I heard some figures about 4,500, you would drop those figures slightly. But if we're in the perspective, the search capability would be that uh, comparable to the current average transaction rate of Visa. Their search capability is a factor of 69. So that's where it would come in, which is fairly reasonable for the next five years. Uh, whether it, it lasts, that, whether that holds, of course, depends on what happens to the network. Um, there are a lot of uncertainties there. We could do a lot longer if we have a sort of a, uh, a reasonable growth. And there are scenarios where you could see, for example, a uh, state attack against uh, a major financial system or some major disruption like that will put a lot of pressure on the Monero network in maybe a shorter period of time. We can't predict the future completely, but at least we have a reasonable idea that this thing is, you know, we, we have a, a hardware setup that is going to be realistic for five years. Um, the the challenge is how to make the most of the existing uh, hardware. And it's a very interesting design challenge. For example, um, the bandwidth of the processor is roughly about eight gigabits per second. Um, so that kind of limits what you can do with things of your internet connections. Uh, High-end residential uh, internet connections in North America typically compete in the 2.5 to 8 gigabit range. Uh, so you're maxing out there, so you're kind of at the, at the high end. Um, I would expect, you know, these would improve significantly in the next five years. So that's kind of what. Now, the other interesting thing about the Nodo uh, is that it's got essentially an idle GPU in there, uh, graphics processor. And this is a perfect example of where graphics verification is going to be very, very useful because the these things have been run as a essentially as a headless server, which basically means that you are not really using the video capabilities at all, or very minimally at best. And in that situation, you do have the ability to use the graphics processor for verification purposes, and that's and that's been demonstrated it can be done. So we don't have a, a huge limitation on the UPU per se uh, with respect to uh, having to do a lot of the verification. So that's kind of where it's, it's where we're at. So there's a lot of potential to uh, wake up the graphics processor in these devices uh, and take advantage of the fact that it's, it's a very powerful uh, graphics processor it's not be, that, that can be used for processing and for verification of transactions. So that's kind of my little summary here. Yeah, that's no, that, what we're looking at. 
that that's fantastic. So you're you're saying it, it's it's kind of reasonable to conclude that the Noto will, will will be useful for at least you know five years. It is reasonable, but I can't anticipate a state attack on visa or something like that. Right, you're okay. saying some some crazy scenario where, yeah. although we, we've seen rumors of it, I just recently, right? Uh, some mm -hmm. hacker, mm -hmm. hacker groups said they were they were looking from Russia saying they were going to take down the visa. Now, like some, something short of that, uh, where there was a state attack on the on the on the visa network and people were rushing into crypto and overnight it, it, you know, uh, <sighs> I mean. <laughs> You have to be realistic. We're going to have to, you know, we kind of we got to give a chance to the Monero network to respond. It could absorb a significant uh, percentage of that. Let's not kid ourselves. But um, there's going to be a bit of a shock to the system. People would have to buy radar rays, for example, external radar rays, etc. To and, and you can take a, a fair chunk of it, but you wouldn't be able to do the search capabilities of Visa, for example. But you would be able to take a because a lot of it would probably go to cash, uh, fiat cash, and so you, you're taking a portion of the uh, online burden. Uh, Monero is one of the few blockchains that can actually scale, so I would expect a big hit. Uh, we would see a significant uh, impact on, on the Monero network. Um, but those kind of the edge cases. Reasonable growth, we should be fine. Uh, so, sounds as exciting when you talk about it in those terms. I mean, I, I don't know if I should be rooting for the downfall of the Visa network. I mean, I kind of am, but I know I know it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be good for the world uh, in that instant. But it would be uh, ultimately a beautiful thing, right? Uh, well, I I, I kind of take a hands roll up your sleeves approach to these set of situations, and the real question we should be asking: This is going to probably be a major disruption of the world financial system. Yes. What can we do to help? as a community, uh, and that's really the kind of approach that I prefer to take on it. I know how people feel about this, but it's kind of like, okay, so this broad thing will happen. What can the Monero community do about it? And quite honestly, I think we should, as a community, prepare for that kind of eventuality. Oh, of course. You know, harden the community in the sense of getting better internet, getting extra uh, external storage, that kind of thing. So we should be prepared for it. I don't know if I want to want it tomorrow. I want to give Monero a chance to grow and develop without having to be put on the massive stress on the blockchain and on the community. Yeah. Um, let, let's let's also take a step back and just like like Abdullah was saying, uh, maybe you could give us because you could probably do this more artfully than anybody here. Uh, give us some insight into why this project even matters, why running, why people should even be. Uh, considering purchasing a Noto, or even if not a Noto, just running a full node, why why that's important? Um, I often cat, you know describe it in terms of uh, giving security to the network and giving uh, people uh, the ability to run Mo Monero in the most private way possible because you're using their own node. But you're talking about it in even grander scale, just so that the the network itself is able to to scale and handle. Uh, you know, the future use. But if you give us kind of your whole overview as, as to why it's even important to have a bunch of people out there running their own nodes. Well, in, in a, in a, to make a long story short, it really hardens the network and it makes it more resilient and more reliable uh, in case of a, of a major disruption. So the stronger we have, the more excess capacity that we have with nodes, um, the, more, the bigger and the more distributed the network is, the more resilient and the more reliable it becomes. So 
that's uh, the real issue uh, from that perspective. So yes, you do get the maximized privacy of having your own node, but it's more than that. It's also making a very resilient and a very um, secure network. So the, the more nodes are out there, the more reliable Monero will become, the more reliable the network becomes, uh, and the more we'll be able to handle uh, a disruption. And, and again, the other thing to bear in mind is we should also be looking at, at having excess capacity in our bandwidth, in our, in our storage capability. Uh, so it's a lot, it, it could be a lot easier to get a whole bunch of SSDs now than after some sort of calamity. Uh, where we're suddenly called upon to to help maintain uh, a fair a certain amount of financial activity, so that's kind of what I'm thinking. It's kind of like you don't, you know, if you think of a disaster where you want to be prepared ahead of time, you don't want to have to be running around getting everything when the disaster hits. And I think it's, this is kind of what I would say here. Also, there's an element of preparedness, of resiliency. Uh, distributed networks I have found generally are far more resilient than highly centralized networks. I saw this in forest fires in Canada, where, for example, when things really got rough, it was the small businesses along the route that really picked up the slack and really took care of first responders. Uh, and, and the larger chains collapsed. Many of them were just too brittle. So you would go down and see a small motel, a small uh, lodge, you know, getting in extra staff, uh, taking care of the first responders and so on. Well, the larger chains were just shut down with some marketing slogan in, on their on their outside of their of their motels. And I drove around the highway ninety seven from George to Vancouver right after the forest fires. I precisely saw this. You know, the, the the small players and the distributed players are far more reliable. If you look at a lot of disasters, typically the really large centralized organizations tend to fail, and the decentralized uh, local level. So other reliability and where the help occurs. So this is also very true in the case of Monero. So I would expect that a decentralized and distributed network like Monero would be far more resilient than centralized uh, banking systems. But we have a responsibility to be prepared, and that's what I'm saying. Fantastic, fantastic, and and just you know, because I guess it's one you know I've I've always you know realized obviously it adds to the overall security of the network, but. I guess maybe describe how does how does it help with you know because you're, you're talking about uh, the future growth of the network and and, and what kind of uh, <laughs> physical capacities the nodo needs to be able to handle it, but also just having having a bunch of nodes out there will essentially will make the the you know the network run faster, right? Like if I'm trying to if if people are trying to access Monero. Is it better for Monero if there's nodes all over for them to access? Is it is, is it's it not necessarily propagating through the network? It's not, it'll help with propagation, but it's not necessarily faster. It's, it's significantly increases the reliability of the network. Mm -hmm. So speed, I mean, you're not going to see significantly faster speed in this respect. Well, because ultimately, you know, well limited. Uh, what Monero is limited by actually, uh, when you really get down to it. Uh, we ultimately are limited by the speed of light because ultimately you have to sync all over the world and, and there's theoretical limits on how fast you can make a network we've got into relativistic effects. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, it's, um, it, it takes a certain, you know, we start taking two or 300 milliseconds or 500 milliseconds <clears throat> and uh, 
data across the world. Well, that's a Western person's reaction times. Um, you know, when I went to DEFCON, sorry, when I went to uh, uh, the 36C3 uh, conference in Leipzig uh, in 2019, I mean, and we get the tickets, so there was definitely a, a lag time that was comparable to a person's reaction time that impacts it, whether you could get tickets or not, just to where in the world you were. I was successful to do it um, from Vancouver, well, I was a significant disadvantage for those in Europe. Uh, and it's about 150 milliseconds. So you're limited on the bandwidth, sorry, you're limited on the, on the um, uh, you're, on, on the speed of the network in the sense of bi-relativistic effects. What you do by increasing the number of nodes is you increase the reliability of the network in a very significant way. So that's really where the gain is. So you will see a better response simply because it's a much more reliable network. So one node goes down or a certain number of nodes going down, you still have a lot of redundancy in the system. Yeah, I know even even recently we kind of saw a bit of a bit of an attack on, on the nodes, right? Where people were were listing um, you know, uh, malicious nodes that uh, unknowingly people were connecting to using using their light wallets. Um, so I mean, it, it, it obviously it helps with things like that, right? If you're if you're running if you're running your own node and you're connecting to a secure node that you know and trust because it's yours, uh, it eliminates issues like that, right? Well, it also provides a better reliability to the, to the peer nodes mm -hmm. because you have more nodes that are trustworthy out there. You're basically going to increase the overall, overall reliability of the network, um, and this is a bit. You're going to be specifically careful if you if you are connecting over uh, networks such as Store or NTP uh, with that because they're quite vulnerable to DDoS attacks and that kind of thing. Now, I know Tor has hardened quite a bit recently by having a proof of work requirement to prevent some types of uh, DDoS attacks, mm -hmm. but. Um, the reliability is, is what you're going to get out of it. Can you touch upon how it improves people's privacy, how it becomes, you know, the not only the most secure, but the most private way to essentially uh, use Monero? Well, it gives you flexibility. I mean, if you've got a lot of nodes out there, you can either use your own node. In some cases, it might even be an advantage to, to use somebody else's node and then transmit out somebody else's transactions or your own node. So it gives you a lot more options. If you run your own node, you really have the optimal choices from a privacy perspective. Um, there are certain kinds of potential view key attacks and so on. I mean, if you have to start using like, well, so I know that the Seraphis um, upgrade is going to protect a, a fair amount of this, but it's obviously an advantage to run your own node. I personally, I just use my own nodes myself. Uh, so I'm not into light wallets in a big way, only for really small amounts. Um, but it, it, your privacy basically is, is you have the options and having your own node is a major privacy advantage. Mm -hmm. right, yeah. Right. Individual, um, people, um, I would say uh, apart from, uh, you know, fortifying the network uh, for operational security purposes, also uh, it's just better in many ways because remote nodes know for certain what IP address you're using to connect to them. And you know, if you're on your own network without any protections and uh, you just directly connect to a remote node, then uh, they know your home IP because you open the connection. Uh, 
from the home ID. Yeah, that's and a big one. So, uh, yep, and uh, also there's an incremental level of, of trust uh, um, just by run, having your own infrastructure running. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, having to trust anyone. Of course, if I know somebody, if I know uh, Arctic and he's running his own node, and uh, he shares his public address and you know if you want to send any transactions through feel free to go for it and you know that's that's uh definitely better but um essentially it boils down to trust you know if you just uh go to any random open node which has been scraped from the internet uh, then you don't really know what, whether or not uh that node is trustworthy you know it could be malicious it could uh inject uh if not, if not uh, actually jeopardize you because uh, uh, it could just cause a nuisance uh, by injecting a bunch of uh, uh, data, that corrupt data or something like this. And so uh, in general, it's, uh, if you're going to be using a node, uh, it's, it's probably better uh, to be uh, leave it running all the time and allowing a lot of transactions to filter through and relay in order to ensure that, you know, your transactions are hidden amongst uh, all the other. And and also, uh, the thing with uh, uh, initiating a transaction, uh, when uh, uh, when you connect to that node, you're not only uh, getting ready your outputs for that transaction, but uh, you're also pulling in uh, outputs as inputs for the ring CT. And so uh, you really want uh, uh, you know, uh, a trusted uh, source of, of your own blockchain uh, so that, you know, that uh, you're, you're getting uh, the, the best uh, the best experience and, and, you know, just so that uh, it, it adds a, a ton of privacy as well. And yeah, uh, control, of course. Sure. And uh, that's kind of why we, we opted in our default settings to run Tor uh, and uh, I2P also. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's a bunch of intricacies, but definitely running through Tor, uh, run, uh, running all transactions through Tor will slow you down. Um, and ClearNet is, is definitely the fastest way to, uh, to maintain a sync of the blockchain. Um, but uh, there, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of uh, also what Monero does, and also how we are able to uh, let Monero uh, do its thing, kind of like with the scaling aspect and the variable uh, block size. You know that really, uh, you know, when transactions spike, uh, in t as it as it's known to happen, um, you know the the. The, the block size, variable block size, really kicks in and, and allows you to uh, kind of uh, have uh, uh, the effect of uh, uh, dealing with all the extra transactions coming in. But um, uh, also at the same time, look. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Sorry, I kind of uh, lost my train of thought there, but oh, no worries, no worries. Um, there's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things like uh, the bandwidth requirements uh, um, with with generic hardware. You know, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, traction, and 
I'm sure that uh, the generic SBC market has a, a definite uh, use case where they're adding a network effect to the Monero network. Uh, but it's not it's not optimum, and uh, definitely for somebody running their own node, you want uh, all you don't want any bottlenecks in in, uh, in any aspect. So, uh, kind of the integrations that we have, um, like all the uh, like the Wi-Fi adapter, for example, or the Ethernet port, uh, they're kind of really the the faster the faster versions of those things, as well as the SSD. It's uh, it's um, and it's integrated so that you know. Uh, we're not wasting any bandwidth between uh, PCIe adapters and uh, uh, to get a little technical here, but uh, so just by having these native integrations, which um, uh, which add up uh, essentially and uh, allows you, you know, uh, a very low idle because uh, we've not only do we have uh, four um, high high power cores, but you know we've got four low power cores as well. And so it, it really can really uh, scale with uh, the the blocks coming in as well and the and the variable block size, and uh, and so uh, we've kind of uh, essentially brought down the sync time, which was typically uh, multiple days on these generic SBCs, to um, a few hours, and so. Uh, that really has a, a, a great effect on on your experience as well, and uh, yep, uh, on the on the network as well. Then uh, you know, there's uh, you know, not only is it running all the time and uh, giving you that uh, extra effect of uh, obfuscation through uh, various uh, other transactions, but also it's uh, uh, it's fast, you know, and it's it's not uh, hindering your uh, performance. It's um, and so on. We should, um, should also say you've done an amazing job uh, designing it as well. It looks, it looks beautiful, man. <laughs> you oh, did, right. you did a great um, job uh, aesthetically. It, it looks it looks fantastic. Right. I, I I go ahead. Go ahead. I, I should point out that the improvements in sync time are still using the CPU as opposed to GPU verification. Um, if we so that's a future uh, development software upgrade that could be done. Which would improve that even further. Right, right, and uh, that relies on uh, using uh, the GPU. Uh, there's a protocol called OpenCL, and so yeah, essentially it needs uh, C, C plus uh, plus coding, and so yeah, that's in that's in the future development uh, uh, timeline, and uh, we, uh, that that's going to uh, the GPU also helps with uh, your regular. Uh, you know, this implementation will help with uh, your PC, which has got a lot more GPU processing power than, you know, our small chipset. And so uh, the effect it, it will have will, you know, effect, uh, will benefit all computers running, you know, not just uh, single board computers. And Absolutely. So that's, uh, that's something really promising for future development. And so it's just incidental that we've got uh, an idle GPU lying around, but and uh, that <laughs> we need to code for. But uh, because uh, definitely uh, the Monero being CPU only is uh, kind of a feature and not really a, a bug. And so, I mean, the issues uh, with, with Monero, a lot of them uh, I see are being uh, resolved with, uh, with Seraphis. And so, 
um, like the uh, the view key with the with the spend output that you know we'll be doing the single thing, and so. Um, um, yeah, uh, I, I, the the LWS as well. Private view keys are kind of a finicky subject, um, and so yeah, yeah. Let, let let's talk about that for a second. Um, let's let's jump over to Brindle though first. I mean, yeah, hello, hello. <laughs> as well. Uh, yeah, Brindle, you want to want to quickly intro yourself? Yeah, uh, as you know, my name is Brindle or Interloper. Um, I'm I'm just a programmer, really. I work a lot with Linux. Um, I host a bunch of services at home, but also set up servers for other people. Um, I'm pretty active in the Monero market uh, Telegram group as well. That's how I found Abdullah, or rather how he found me. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's that's really it. I'm, I'm not... Uh, I, I've been somewhat in the background uh, with Monero for the past three or four years or something. Um, yeah, I've, I've always had interest in it. I, I think it's... I mean, everything's been said already, of course. Uh, but um, do you want to uh, just give a little insight into what components you were contributing to? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the um, uh, Pinot XMR project uh, was what I based it off of. Uh, Pinot was always more geared towards, uh, you know, getting your own off the shelf SBC like a Raspberry Pi uh, and setting it up that way. It's kind of more a do it yourself kind of thing. Um, but the idea of the Nodo was to to be able to have it work for you out of the box, plug and play. You know, it's um was a quite a challenge to to um, basically convert all the scripts so that it's it's already set up for you and it's all automated hands off that kind of thing <clears throat> uh, really to to make it more accessible to uh, non technical users you know like the, the the speed is of course very important but um, something that I think is kind of lacking a lot with Monero is that uh, it, it it hasn't really been all that accessible to uh, non techies. You know, there, there's a lot of um, underlying know-how that's necessary to to set up your own wallet and to, you know, to, to do it privately and to set up your own node, all that stuff. Uh, so with Node, I wanted to help out to make it easier, basically. Along with the Light Wallet server, of course. Um, what was it called again? My Monero was mm -hmm. the, the, the original that... Uh, uh, I think VT Nerd made a, uh, a standalone implementation of Light Wallet Server, and we thought it would be a good idea to implement or to uh, to add that to the Nodo, so you can, if you're out and about, you can still quickly sync up your wallet on your phone and make transactions that way. And uh, the the issue with the uh, private view key being exposed is it's only really exposed to your own Nodo, you know, so it, it's nothing really is um, taken from your possession, so to speak. Your view key is still safe. That's yeah, the I'm, idea. I'm I'm really excited about about that component. What was it involved, Brindle? Did, did you kind of run that component as well, like uh, adding uh, the uh, the my Monero server? What what was involved in that? Adding the L, LWS. Well, it was uh, part of uh, Pinode XMR, uh, but we did a few uh, uh, different things with uh, essentially there one aspect of. Uh, LWS admin by BT Nerd is that uh, for some reason there's no option to delete. You could deactivate your wallet, and uh, but uh, there just wasn't a way to delete. You could hide the wallet, so we've just kind of. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, VT Nerd is, is is also in the picture. I would say and, uh, he's he's down to later develop uh, the delete actual delete function, but. 
Yeah, we've just worked out a clever way of uh, getting rid of the entries on on the um, on the device, so that when you do when you d delete the the address that you've input, uh, you know, it, it's it's going to go away. Um, so yeah, at the, of... at the end of the day, uh, with um, uh, you know, like a, a remote LWS server, is that you're you're kind of trusting them to delete the view key. They might as well just keep a copy of it, you know. Mm. So. Yeah, we, we, we should back up and explain real quick. So like for, for real noobs out there. So yeah. that, are, that, uh, are, that are currently like using my Monero, for example, the my Monero wallet or mm -hmm. uh, other wallets, wallets that, that are uh, rely on the my Monero server. Um, like I think Edge is one of them, right? Um, Arctic, maybe, you know, some of the some of the others, right? And they, they're great. They're, they, they, they're, they basically feel very instant when you open them up. Uh, you don't have to wait for the for for things to sync because it's already been synced on this my Monero server uh, that the wallet provider is running, and so it, it, in that respect, it's very nice, super convenient. It's, it's a very convenient way to use Monero, but it, it currently comes with the sacrifice, and that sacrifice being that you have to provide your view key uh, to these wallet providers, who then use uh, you know essentially. Uh, use it to run the my Monero server to do the scanning for you, and uh, theoretically there there's some loss of privacy there because now you've you've given up your view key and potentially given uh, given up insight into into your transactions. And uh, what we've done here with the Noto is we've implemented the my Monero server into it, so you could run your own instance of that server. You could input your view key. Into it, right? Without giving your view key to somebody else who's hosting the My Monero, uh, and then you can use these wallets, but gain the the instantaneous uh, reading, uh, scanning of the blockchain by getting the information from your own instance of the My Monero server. So you're so you're maintaining your privacy while getting the the convenience of a of a, a light. So being able to use a light wallet in the most private way, uh, at least exactly. how I how I understand it. But Brenda, no, yeah. that, that's exactly right, and it's it's all made pretty pretty simple. It's all part of the same uh, interface. It can be set in the display. It can also be set in the web UI, uh, and it, it it's kind of like set and forget. the The only thing that needs to be tackled um, is that it needs port forwarding if you want to do it over ClearNet. So if you have that thing running uh, at home. And you want to be able to reach your uh, light wallet server from uh, outside. You'll need to be you, you need to port forward it, which means that you need to open up a connection to your home network so that it can reach uh, the server. Uh, a workaround for that would be to use Tor, but that's you know that's Tor, and so you have to set it up on your phone, etc. It's fairly straightforward. I mean, to to create an open port uh, and uh, set for, it up for you and me, yes, but yes. But for, uh, absolutely, but the, the the idea here is to do that in a seamless way, but also security. The main advantage is that you have your phone, you have the advantage of a light wallet on a, on a mobile device such as a phone, without having to have the whole uh, blockchain on the phone. You can then connect to your own private uh, my Monero instance. Basically, is what it is. So with you then control. So you have the privacy by going to your own uh, node. Uh, combined with the convenience. Exactly. And, you know, it also saves battery life on your phone and that kind of stuff. Um, and it depends also on the capabilities. I mean, it's possible. 
it's feasible to actually run a full monitor node right now on a phone. Um, it's sort of a fairly techy thing to do. Um, you need essentially to store it locally. You can run the whole thing on the phone, but it's not. Um, a lot of phones don't have the capacity to do that. They don't have the actual um, ability to add an SD card that's big enough in there, particularly. So that's an issue. And and it's also fairly technically involved because you basically cannot use a lot of mainstream operating systems to do that properly. Yeah, yeah I mean, a, a phone is not really made for that purpose anyway, to be honest. I mean, it's a computer, yeah, but it's it's like really purpose-built yeah. for... You know, you know what I mean. I, I I I will say that the design of most mobile devices is crippled by design, but that's an entirely separate discussion. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> that would exactly. be worth my opinion on it. But no, I, I agree. And, so those were definitely factors uh, because uh, the case and the chipset design, and of course, uh, accounts for the thermal. Um, capabilities and so we just uh yeah the problem with the phone of course is that it's it's just uh packaged so so tightly that it has other limitations and also uh reliability concerns i think with uh, with flash storage and things like this so i mean you can of course run a node but uh, for how long is the question and uh of course uh, you could uh, run the node on your own computer but the the caveat is that you, you would have to keep it running 24-7, and that's not really efficient uh, to, if, you, if that's all you want to do. Um, and so uh, where Nodo really um, shines is that it, it provides the accessibility with low power use, and you know, it's not like, um, yeah, it's feature-rich, um, and uh, also like, uh, the internals, like uh, uh, I know Brindle touched upon uh, streamlining the code, and that was a huge part of being able to harness the hardware and integrate with the with the, with the software, you know, so that we, we truly are getting a really light uh, um, kind of uh, setup, which is not to um, bog down with other resources and supporting other things. So. Um, mm -hmm. Just a few uh, things about this is that you know there's even though there's no desktop, uh, it's not running a desktop uh, operating system. It's all command line based. Uh, but uh, despite that, we've uh, in incorporated uh, the display and interface, uh, and uh, uh, without sacrificing the, uh, the processing capability. Uh, at yeah, it's basically a mini server that uh, that runs Monero and a couple of tools around it. That, that's really all it is, but it, it shouldn't be anything more than that. Uh, there, yeah, there, there's, there, there's been a couple of other projects I've seen uh, flying around that that are basically like all-in-one solutions where they they use Docker containers to to run all kinds of server stuff, uh, Bitcoin nodes, Monero nodes, etc., uh, etc. Et yeah, the the idea of Nodo is to really just focus on Monero. Uh, nothing more. It, it's fully dedicated. Yeah, but it builds from source. So uh, essentially, if you want to see the build process, we're uh, building Monero from source. So again, it comes down to that trust process, and uh, it, it was uh, quite a thing to um, um, uh, be part of that decision-making process, wherein we didn't want uh, anyone to trust us personally with uh, with anything. You know the. 
um, and uh, same goes with the uh, with the hardware as well. You know, we've designed it to be really good at at Monero, but it just so happens that it's really good at being a, a computer, a portable computer, and so you're free to, if you so choose, uh, get a less efficient um, um, implementation, or you know, you could run desktop or do whatever you want with it. It's fine. Our, yeah, you could use it for other things. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll run fine uh, because uh, obviously the uh, the integrations are really the latest, uh, and uh, the chipset is not your generic chipset off the shelf. It's, we've actually had to uh, configure and specify every single detail, and I think we glossed over the recovery process as well. So uh, this comes down to accessibility. Um, things go wrong sometimes. There's corruption, you know, when there's power loss or things like this. And so, um, yep, uh, we've just uh, accommodated the uh, onboard EMMC storage, which is portable storage, which is, and uh, so that will uh, keep a copy of your Monero node state. So in case things go wrong, there's corruption. You just hit the recovery button, and uh, you're able to kind of uh, re-sync from scratch if necessary, or you know attempt a, a repair of uh, of your file system. So a lot of things that would take manual intervention, we've just kind of uh, added a few buttons and automated that whole process of uh, uh, getting back up if things go wrong. Do you love coffee and Monero as much as we do? Consider making gratuitous.org your daily cup. Pay with Monero for premium fresh beans. And if you like what you taste, send a digital cash tip directly to the Guatemalan farmers that made it possible. Proceeds help us grow this channel, gratuitous, and Monero. What do you say to somebody who's like, well, I, I could just, I'll just go buy a, you know, a Raspberry Pi and I could do the same thing and, you know, for, for, I don't know, half the price. I don't even know what the price of those things are. Well, if you, if you have the technical know-how, I mean, you could, but still, like, like we've said this, um, we've said uh, the, geez, uh, the, the node always is, <laughs> the node always is, is purpose built for running a Monero node. So you're sacrificing, like uh, Abdullah said, you're sacrificing a lot of, um, performance that you could get out of this device by using an off-the-shelf Raspberry Pi. Not to mention uh, that the Raspberry Pi specifically has been scalped to hell and beyond, I've seen. Like, the prices for a Raspberry Pi are ridiculously high right now. I don't know about other SBCs, but the, the, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it has major supply issues. Not that, you know, it, it was uh, really ideal for providing Monero um, node in the first place, but, you know, it was uh, a great way to kind of step into... Uh, doing it yourself, uh, as far as I'm there now, just wanted to take that, take care of that process, and definitely, be, uh, you know, do see need for something like this. You know, having something uh, dedicated uh, in which you know there's no uh, other programs messing with Monero, uh, as you know, you know, the demon. The recommendations are that you run it without any other programs, and so we just wanted to consider. Um, uh, also, I want to point out the the architecture itself. Uh, this is ARM-based architecture, which means something that you would find in uh, in a tablet or a mobile phone, as as opposed to a consumer PC, which is uh, x86 architecture or 
um, you know, typically um, Intel or AMD processors. Um, so not only um, um, uh, the, the issue traditionally with ARM-based processors was that uh, it lacked um, the uh, instruction set for hardware-based encoding, the AES-256 protocol. So, uh, yeah, a lot of, um, uh, it's just one more integration, I would say, that uh, is uh, specific to Monero. Um, there's also a real-time clock, uh, you know, there's a, there's a way uh, to kind of uh, an attack surface if your uh, system clock is not uh, corrected, uh, you know, synced up properly. And so uh, that's something that um, is, is I, I guess, a detail that uh, the, uh, I mean, your, your computer would have it, but not uh, something like a generic SPC. Yeah, so that's actually just, a very good point to bring um, up. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> What point does make out is that it's optimized in the sense that, for example, a Raspberry Pi typically will come up with a one gigabit uh, per second uh, Ethernet connection. Uh, this thing has actually a 2.5 gigabit uh, per second Ethernet connection. So when you start to talk about scaling um, the number of USB ports, you know, it's really designed to be able to achieve more with, to really get the most out of that processor. Um, that you wouldn't be able to do the more generic system. Mm -hmm. uh, so, sure. uh, so that's one advantage, quite apart from the fact that, it, of course, it's easier to configure. Now, there are, there are all sorts of things you can do. You don't have to go with an You can go with an uh, old laptop that is being defenestrated and you improve the RAM. And there's all sorts of things you can do to run a Monero node. Um, and that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's just that you have to you have something that is there in the market that can actually is ready to go is straightforward to use um, and is that component if you're the kind of person that wants to do that to, to custom build your own thing go for it that's what I would say exactly uh, but yeah, exactly. it's not it, this thing is designed specifically for running Monero uh, could you use it, for example, to run uh, an Ethereum or Chiral node? Yeah, with an external array, you could probably do that. I mean, the thing is, um, again, I mean, it would have the capability to do that. Um, but uh, I, I haven't actually tried running an Ethereum or Chiral node. Something else, actually, it's a whole project of mine. To, it's, it's about a 12, tera, 12 to 13 terabytes in, in that kind of range uh, blockchain. So that's, uh, if you want to test out scaling on a, on a real blockchain, that's the one you want to look at. Um, so, I mean, there's also some things you can do with it, but it is optimized and designed for running Monero and for scaling Monero. Right. Also, the USB-C ports, uh, those are, um, uh, and the regular USB-C, those are not 2.0s, those are 3.0s. Um, and so, uh, I mean, we're looking into it supporting raids and all, but... Uh, to be honest, our focus from the start, and you know, Doug and I uh, we talked about this at length, is uh, our focus gen has been uh, Monero, and uh, yeah, definitely this thing has been designed uh, for Monero. We've looked at all those little details that um, that you know somebody would normally miss, and so uh, yeah, and uh, it's it's going to uh, be uh, you you can be assured that it's going to scale for the next five years. It's not going to bog down and stuff like this. And so yeah, we do offer uh, the, the manufacturer does offer a two year manufacturer uh, uh, manufacturer warranty. 
on it. But uh, yeah, we've got some reliability numbers of these chipsets. They're very exceedingly reliable. Uh, they've even kind of been stepped on as part of testing and stuff like this. So I mean, and not that it's going to go through that intense, but we did uh, consider... Uh, the feds bash, th bash through your door and start stomping on your door. <laughs> or, you know, if you're... If after, you're after they leave, you just plug it right back in and you're good to go. Stop the transaction. I can't. I can't. <laughs> but, uh, in all seriousness, we did consider uh, it being used in the field, not that you would need to. I mean, you could set it up at home in a safe location and uh, just... Uh, Port, uh, forward your port and uh, you'd be able to use your node from anywhere in the world but uh, yeah just uh, just to think of every scenario we did consider the the field use scenarios as well plugging in mobile phones to um, uh, for internet and uh, you know portable USB uh, C uh, the USB C in is as part of that because uh, most chipsets they use the barrel jack and so Yep, this is kind of yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's well thought out. Uh, it's not. It's not just a Raspberry Pi in an in an orange box. Um, it's it's <laughs> a lot more than that. Uh, Abdullah, we should say too. We ha we've had people, other companies that have reached out. I don't know if you want to mention their names or not, but we've had companies. Uh, at least one uh, major node provider in the in the Bitcoin community reach out that was interested in the hardware itself. So you you. Uh, you want to just mention that you don't have to mention names, but like as to why or what they were interested in. Uh, uh, sure. Uh, I mean, essentially, just the just the chipset itself. You know, the way it's configured with all the inputs and outputs, it has everything you need. Uh, and uh, you know, it's just so versatile that uh, yeah, some somebody thought of running a Bitcoin node on it, and uh, it would clearly. Uh, work is not our scope because uh, for now, but yeah, uh, it, it was the it was the hardware specifically that uh, drew them because uh, there are other chipsets that run the same processor. You'd be able to get the same, uh, roughly the same processing capability from uh, other chipsets that are available on the market today. Uh, it's just that this is a custom one and. Uh, it just so happens to be um, uh, really good and efficient. I mean, there's there's no uh, wastage as far as excess ports, you know, and uh, and so it has. Uh, how, how, how would you guys say we compare to like? So we talked about like, all right, somebody could go get a Raspberry Pi, and make their own, or use their their own computer. How about some of these other companies that are offering? Uh, pre-built solutions how would you say we compare i know i think umbral just added a way right to yeah umbral was the one i was uh referring to earlier i forgot the yep. name uh, umbral is um the, the way they do it is they they offer a docker um solution docker is basically like um a, a, a containerized way of running monero so it runs in in a sort of sandbox like a virtual computer inside a computer that's how you can look at it uh, which of course most likely has some performance implications uh, but umbral's um, focus is not really just monero it can be used for it sure but it it has a whole catalog of things you can run on it it's it's meant more as like a a personal mini server for whatever you want to do and yeah, again awesome. no no I, 
I would actually optimize it slightly different for different applications. I mean, the closest application would be running something like Bitcoin or Ethereum. That is not that different in many respects from running Monero in the sense that uh, the design would be pretty sure. close. Yeah, because essentially you have the same issues of you know transaction distribution and so on from a hardware perspective. One thing you've got to watch when you containerize, of course, is it makes it a lot harder to do graphics processing. Um, and that's something that, that you have to watch for that um, if you want to do other things with it because virtualization and guidance, you also have to deal with how you're going to handle that graphics processor. So that's right. sort of a longer term um, design. Like if you have a dedicated machine that just does it on the, uh, that doing the um, graphics processing is, is a lot more easier. But the minute you start uh, running in containers, then uh, that complicates that. Yeah, there, there's right. always overhead. Right. There's performance and uh, security implications. And uh, it was very early on that we decided not to go with uh, any kind of Dockerized solution uh, for various reasons. And it was much preferable to run uh, Monero natively. Um, and so that's what we did. And uh, I think that's the best way to do it. Um, uh, but of course, uh, yeah, uh, compared to, uh, I would say, Raspberry Pi, uh, I would say this is uh, about four times faster at the very least. Uh, we'll be publishing the actual sync time numbers when uh, when we have the uh, production samples of, of our ship sets uh, in the next couple of weeks. And I know we talked, I think this is a great segue to talk about um, NeroCon as well. Uh, yes. Because um, uh, I did plan to make it out there with some prototypes. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it just wasn't on the cars. There were issues with uh, uh, visas and things of this nature. And so uh, I'm, I'm afraid we've had to kind of. Um, cancel that um, uh, demonstration uh, uh, of, of the nodal. Uh, but uh, uh, we're not very far off, I would say. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's all right. I mean, more importantly is getting to the finish line with with the good product. And it, it was it was a good uh, it was a good goal. It, it, it gave us uh, an incentive to push harder, right, for trying to make that that date. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's not going to happen, mostly because Abdullah can't show up in person yeah I mean, was this, yeah the same story with uh with the monerotopia as well yeah. and that's actually when i started uh before that sucks you know so when when are we um you know what what does it look like in terms of timeline when the when we could actually start shipping these things we have a, a decent estimate at this point yeah yep yeah. um our chipsets are going to be uh begin their uh, production line in uh, july and so thereafter, we'll, we'll have a chance to put them, uh, fabricate the, some cases. And so we're scheduled for September, as promised. Um, if, uh, I mean, I, I would, you know, really prefer to get proper quality assurance uh, um, done before we ship them out. So please bear with us if there's some kind of delay. But this is the projected timeline. And I... Don't foresee any delays, but uh, yeah. And in the meantime, we've uh, we've got uh, the rest of what we need um, uh, as far as the back end. Uh, um, perhaps very quickly, I could show the uh, the 
prototype for the web UI that we have uh, developed. Obviously, it's it's not live on a live machine, but just to give you an idea of what it's like, just the settings that are possible. Um, yeah, bring that bring that up real quick, and then let's let's also maybe. Um, I just want to cover. So, how, how what what is it going to be like for the user? User, you know, uh, somebody orders one of these, they get it sent to their home, they open up the box. Uh, for those who are are quite technically noobish like myself, how plug and play is this thing? Like, what what are essentially what are the steps going to be to get up and running with your? Uh, you you, your you plug it in. You wait a little bit, and you connect to it. There, there's there's really not much more yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, what we're thinking of just shipping. Uh, oh, go ahead. So sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, it's going to give you an address, and you just input that address into your wallet, you, and. Uh, you're good to go uh, with your... for connecting it to your wallet. Yeah. So yeah. So for, for full breadth of it, yeah. You, you plug it in, Noto is right. up and running, uh, and then if you want to connect, you know, uh, get a little more advanced and connect it to your to your to your wallet, um, you're just gonna have to what? Just just, just explain the the full. Well, well, the, uh, the, the, no. <laughs> no, go ahead. Uh, no, no, uh, you want to take that? Yeah, yeah sure. The display, right? Um, yeah, the, the, the display shows the settings you can uh, turn on or off, uh, all kinds of settings you can turn on or off, uh, Tor or I2P, or just go for ClearNet. Uh, but really, if, if you just want the node up and running, you plug it in, um, you wait a little bit, it will connect to your local network. Uh, you figure out the IP, the, the, the local IP that it's running on, uh, the, the default port, you enter that in your wallet, it'll start syncing, and that, that's that's really it. Well, any, any any configuration to the node can be made uh, through the display or through the web UI. So there, there's no hands-on configuring things, going into uh, SSH into it, all that kind of stuff. It's not it's not necessary. You can do it, but it's not necessary at all. That that's amazing. So me so me like I I just plug this thing in and then I, I'd open up my Cake wallet. I'd go to you know uh, I don't even know what the settings called, but whatever connect new node or something. Uh, and from there, I'll, I'll be able to uh, get the info I need from the Noto itself to to direct it to my my home node. Yeah, well, that's exactly what. Oh, go ahead. What I think was mentioned is you have to have an open port on your home network that at that port that actually connects to the Noto, um, so that you could use it, say, for yeah, from from the outside, from, yeah, from the outside of your own, because otherwise you'd be behind a essentially behind your own firewall. So you have to open right. that. Um, at your router level or uh, at your firewall level that will allow you to then connect from the outside to that IP address. And because it's a, it's a, usually a port that's not typically blocked by ISPs, so you wouldn't have a problem connecting to it. Actually. So that might that might be the one like tricky thing for for a noob. I mean, we could put up we could put up a good video for people to walk them to walk it's, them through that. Yeah, it's really simple. Probably put up it's a simple, but it's the kind of thing you want to probably explain how, how to do it correctly. Yeah, um, it's, it's good knowledge to have for anything, you know, even outside of Monero. How to, how to pour forward, I mean. Yeah, and then, yeah, and how to set it so it's available from the outside. Mm -hmm. by, by default, it's it's running on, on Tor, though. It's using Tor, or that's right. Um, right. And if you if you had a, a Torified phone, basically you had Tor running on your phone. Um, you could just connect to the Tor address instead of the ClearNet address, and uh, you would not have to go through any kind of port forwarding. That's, I mean, it's, it's a slower experience, but uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pick, pick your poison, basically. <laughs> right. right. But, uh, but we no, would recommend uh, that you uh, 
um, go to trouble of uh, port forwarding because that's going to unlock the, the high speed of your clear net. Uh, and you know, give it's you the just best. the nature of networking, really. It, yeah. There are, there are pluses uh, to sync over ClearNet and then send transactions over Tor. And so there are hybrid solutions that people also may want to do. Which is possible, by the way, on the Nodo. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so and it's kind of like. As well. Yeah, it's kind of like you say, well, I want to sync the blockchain over ClearNet and then I want to turn around and use Tor for some mm -hmm. transactions, for example. I mean, that's an example where you would do that. And there are actually advantages to do that because you can avoid certain types of attacks on tool. Exactly. Uh, Abdullah, yeah, you want to bring it up real quick? Show the, yeah. the web UI. Okay, so, um, so can you see the screen? Yes. Okay, so this is uh, just the homepage. This, uh, you would uh, most likely just enter your Nodo's address into your browser, uh, either your phone browser or your uh, web browser. In this case, it's on my computer. And uh, yep, so this is just to show some stats. Uh, bear in mind, this is just dummy data right now. It's not actually plugged into a Nodo, but yep, uh, this is what you would expect to see when uh, you would uh, log into your node um, from from the from your computer. And so we've just. Uh, a small note on the the settings. Just want to make it, make it clear that uh, updating is done automatically. It's it's hands off, just like everything else. It will um, pull the source from the official Monero repo. It'll build it and it'll restart the node so that the new version is out. Uh, you basically don't have to do anything for it. So just uh, awesome. Another small detail. This this yeah. looks beautiful, simple. I love it. Go ahead. Right. And uh, yep. Um, and of course. It I mean, it's going to be refined further. This is just the just the bare minimum. Um, I would say uh, that we need to kind of get an indication of what uh, what the node is doing. And so we've got networks, and so this is where you would see your settings for ClearNet and Tor and I2P respectively. And so, yep, it has your node's address on it, and you can change your port. And of course, you can add uh, a particular peer. For example, if I want to add a uh, Brindle's node to mine, uh, um, you know, as uh, um, as an exception as well, I could I could do that. I could just enter his address and his uh, his port number, and uh, yep, I could add him as well. And uh, this is where. Um, uh, the setting we talked about uh, route all connections through Tor. So if you were to turn this on, for example, um, you would uh, not need to undergo any kind of port forwarding. All, all basically, uh, transactions would be routed through Tor. It would slow you down, uh, slow the node down, but um, uh, it comes with the benefits uh, that uh, Tor offers. And, yeah, and, uh, and like Arctic uh, said earlier, you, you can go for the, the hybrid solution where you, you just route uh, transactions received from Tor through Tor and the same thing with I2P. So you don't have to run the entire node on Tor. It's not it's not necessary. Uh, right. It, it right. depends I on your use case and your yeah. use. Right. By default, we have this thing where uh, uh, so the daemon is... Uh, uh, you know, still getting uh, a kind of connection from 
uh, from the ClearNet, uh, you know, so that's something uh, it, it does by default, uh, I would say. And the only exception to that would be the router connections. Through yeah, exactly. If you want to hide the fact that you're using a Monero node at all, that's when routing everything through Tor is, is a good idea. Yeah, okay. It really yeah. depends on your on your risk profile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how exactly. you want to set it up. And then you quickly gloss over adding a peer. Like, in what instance would you do that? Where you would uh, for the clear uh, for, you were showing that you can for uh, Tor and I two P. It is. I'm pretty sure for I two P at least it is necessary to add an I two P peer in case there is an incoming transaction from I two P and it needs to route it. Elsewhere, it as far as I know, Monero doesn't have uh, a list of I2P peers by default, so that's when you want to add a few. You can find those online. There, there's uh, people hosting them. I'm actually hosting one on I2P. Um, same thing with Tor. Uh, with ClearNet, it's it's not necessary to add a peer at all. It uh, it comes with its own uh, list of seed nodes, I believe. Yeah, and it updates stuff uh, by default. This is is this is just specifically if you just want uh, to add somebody in particular, add a pretty good the node so that you know it's basically uh, fortifying the network in a sense uh, yeah making sure you always have a connection uh, going yeah and finding other it's like a yeah. okay mm -hmm. and cool. so yep yeah, uh, so the, those are the networks and then uh, this is uh, uh, you would, uh, if you were to run your private node that is you know you don't want it to be publicly broadcast and it, uh, yeah, you, I mean, you want it to be available uh, uh, remotely, but just privately to you. And so that requires a username and password and uh, you would set that up here. And uh, we've got some basic settings for setting up your bandwidth. And uh, if you if you were to need to right now, everything is set at unlimited. So, uh, yeah. It's going to make the best use of your connection, but if you had some kind of restriction on on an upload limit or a download limit, you could change that to uh, 100 kilobytes or 1,000 kilobytes or whatever it is. Or, yeah. But you you could set the node to be to be public or private, right? So um, yes. What what what's standard practice? Obviously. Public nodes are great, right? Because we're we're assisting the network in that way, giving people nodes to connect to. But what's what's the general take on that? Uh, the the idea of RPC is for wallet connections, so you can set it to public, where any wallet can connect to it and sync and make transactions. You can also set it to private, so you're the only one who can uh, make a connection that way. Um, you you can control a node remotely through RPC as well, where you can start or stop mining or do other. Uh, um, tasks or get other information. That stuff is is always private, basically. Mm -hmm. But so me as, this, a, as a user, if I'm like, I don't know, I'm a noob. Like, do, do I want to? If you're a noob and you, you're like, well, what the hell is this? Don't touch anything, and everything's fine. That's. <laughs> <laughs> that. and, 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 uh, but ultimately, it, it's 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 the the better choice for helping the network. Am I am I wrong? Right? Because um, uh, yes, the, the default settings are the the best for helping yeah. the, the the network. Exactly. Yeah. The way it's set up by default is that uh, it is public, and so that's fortifying the network. And also, for, uh, that's better for your individual security because, um, yeah, it's uh, you know accepting all kinds of transactions, not just yours. And so exactly, right. right? That makes sense. 
Okay. And uh, that's kind of why we've got Tor running by default as well. There, there is some cost to that uh, by default. You know, if you if you were to have that off, uh, you know, it would probably be uh, a bit less uh, computation, but it's definitely worth it for the small amount of uh, resources it requires. But it has the benefit of you know um, um, being connected via Tor as well, okay. and so. And uh, so, yeah, this is just some device settings, your Wi-Fi, and uh, yeah, if you want to specify, um, you know, this is just some advanced settings, I would say. Uh, but yeah, this is where you would enter your uh, Wi-Fi uh, uh, details, your SSID and password. And uh, yeah, for, for clarification, that that's what the node will connect to. That that's not its own access point. That is what it's going to connect to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, this is your home network, like which, yes. what your computers are. Because it says Nodo, but I'm just making sure that it, you enter your own, your, your home Wi-Fi on there and it'll connect to it. That's what it means. Right, yeah, yeah, this is, uh, this is home <laughs> <Wi> Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to populate a list and you'll be able to use that just as with any uh, uh, Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's, it's dummy values. Yeah, and uh, same goes with the Ethernet. It's, uh, it's automatic and uh, you just need to plug it in, but... If you do did have the specific um, requirements for IP address or your router settings or something, you could of course uh, specify right. that. Otherwise, it's just going to happen automatically. It's going to yeah, everything's taken care of, um, and just uh, yeah, uh, this is where you would probably just uh, I don't know why, but if you need to shut down, you can shut down and restart if you need to restart. Uh, you know, and uh, this is where the recovery process is. Uh, so. Um, to reach the screen, you could either um, go through the interface uh, or you could just press the recovery button on the chipset. And uh, it has a bunch of options. So the, the, the first option, obviously, would be to try to attempt to repair the file system. And uh, uh, if that doesn't work and if, uh, if you're still unable to get um, this, this synchronized um, status here, then you'll probably uh, you know, want to try some kind of uh, recovery. Mm -hmm. It really is a last resort thing, though, because you're you're per, you're wiping the entire blockchain, uh, which uh, means you'll also, have some downtime. <laughs> it's rare. It's very rare. It's only in case of uh, some kind of uh, file system hardware. corruption. Yeah, file system or hardware corruption, which is kind of very rare in itself. You know, unless you have really frequent power cuts, I wouldn't be worried. But um, even if you do, the USB CN has the capacity to kind of uh, protect against uh, those kind of shorts. So um, this is really just uh, uh, just a kind of um, to, to be able to troubleshoot in case it's necessary. Yeah, and and get back to to where you were from scratch. I mean, if uh, it's kind of like. A, uh, reboot uh, a factory reset in a sense. So it's going to build Monero from source and uh, start syncing from the Genesis block. And that's something if you want to want uh, to see it do that, you know, just because you don't trust uh, <laughs> what we've installed for you, even though it is essentially the same uh, the same uh, scripts that, uh, 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 that will do this recovery. It's uh, something to bear in mind and if the purge is, is going to wipe your 
uh, SSD and give you uh, uh, a sync from scratch. Okay, that's that's some people are gonna love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really something for uh, uh, accessibility, and uh, you would uh, normally input a bunch of commands to kind of do this stuff. And so uh, Brindle's worked on the recovery script, and yeah, we just uh, managed to incorporate it into the interfaces. And uh, as well, we thought of a, a button, a dedicated button that can accomplish this. So now, what th this is what we're looking at now. This is going to be accessible on the screen on the Noto itself. This, UI? Uh, this, yes. this what you're yes. seeing right now is the web UI. So you can open a browser and connect to your Node, and this is what you get. Okay, and then on, this is not the, on not the on device display. The display is is a different uh, project, but it basically gives you the same options. Same options, essentially. As yes. They're going to look and feel the same, and, uh, and they're they're going to mirror each other in a sense because um, they're using the same source of uh, of everything. And so, um, um, yeah, I mean, this option will be there on the device itself on the on screen display. So if you go into device and uh, system and recovery, yep, this is what you would expect to see either uh, on the device or on the web uh, if you were to mm -hmm. log in on a computer or. I, or your mobile I, just, phone. I can't wait to um actually doing this at home. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! <laughs> running, running the note out. <laughs> Come on, guys, really? make, it make it happen. Do you have a note at home? What's that? Do you have a note at home, uh, Doug? I mean, I have um on my uh, on my computer. You know, I don't. Have ah, okay. I've gotten it up and running before. Um, right. But no, I don't have a dedicated note running at home. I actually travel with one. That's 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 cool. On Technically, me too, because I have one on my laptop. But, uh. okay. Yeah, and I sync it. Uh, I have it synced, and then I can sync it all seven. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I this is really, uh, you know, this is this is something that I I personally want, right? So I I just can't wait till I can just plug this thing in. I'm oh, happy to hear that, man. Reliably running. Uh, what else you got there, Abdullah? Yeah, the uh, Light Wallet server. Light Wallet server. Which we were talking about. So this is where you can input your your view key, right? So yeah, you and your address. Uh, yeah. So this is where your wallet address would go, and uh, um, your private view key, and then you would um, add account, and you know that would go into requests here, or you know for, uh, I mean all uh, all account uh, additions would end up in requests. You would either accept that wallet or Rejected, in which case it's going to go away, and all of your active wallets uh, are going to be listed here. Um, so this is just to show you uh, just the interface of. Uh, yeah, I think we need some uh, some more work on it uh, to kind of expand the. Uh, it's still a work in progress, but the functionality is there. there. If you were to deactivate this, it would end up in inactivate um, inactive accounts, mm -hmm. and you could uh, either reactivate it, in which case it will go back to active, or if this is where we come in, and if that's where the delete function in the back end, at least it's gonna it's gonna right. hide it so that um, at least visually it's uh, it's not uh, part of the system. And uh, in the future, will BT uh, Nerd has already promised to implement uh, the actual delete functionality. So instead of in the backend hiding the address uh, from Premiere, you could actually delete it from the mm -hmm. 
uh, from the blockchain itself uh, from on the system. And so really intuitive, just enter your address and yep. Right, and it may look a bit weird that there's... Where somebody's connecting, for example, their My Monero light wallet and they... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say it may look a bit weird that there's an ad account and then a request thing, but the request thing is for uh, My Monero wallets that are requesting to add their account to uh, the server. That's that's why that's there. Okay. So as far as I understand it, you can request from your My Monero wallet to add it to the node, and then you can accept it in the web UI. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, there's one thing we uh, didn't even mention yet is that we're adding a block explorer as well with a, uh, a custom UI being worked on. Right, oh, yeah, right. Cool. Um, uh, this is based off of uh, the um, uh, yeah, Onion block explorer on GitHub. Oh, XMRchain.net is uh, one that's running it. Right, and but it's essentially a really simplified uh, version of, of that and uh, um, so it has uh, kind of uh, all the functionality to view uh, transactions, to view uh, block data, and uh, again, all of this is, is dummy data. But uh, it's it's a fully it's a full blown uh, block explorer, native block explorer. So any any data that you input here, for example, if you want to prove your uh, prove a spend, uh, then by entering um, uh, your private view key and the uh, 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 things as kind of uh, sensitive information, then you, you can be rest assured that you know it's it's all running natively. So um, uh, I would say it's sort of an advanced feature, and uh, due to the complexity of all the information, this uh, this is going to be mobile and uh, web UI only. Uh, so it's not going to be on the embedded display. It's not going to be right, on, the that, that makes on, the sense. on the touch device because it's it's a nightmare to try and fit. fit all but it, this but it's very cool that it's there. And then those of us that are, are kind of noobish uh, have it there as an option. And it, it's a way to actually start to understand the, the narrow on a deeper level. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's real data of your own node, you know, that that's why I think it's a very good idea to add this. Very cool. Uh, the UI will be a bit more polished. Uh, to make it more accessible as well. Mm -hmm. right. One of my issues with the XMRchain.net is that it's way too cluttered and way too much information crammed into one thing. So we're trying to make it easier to read, easier to understand, easier to visualize. Right. And um, yeah, there's a lot of formatting to be done because uh, we kind of uh, just wanted to nail the um, the relevant information on this page, like the content and, and that's why it's kind of uh, a bit of uh, a garbled mess because uh, uh, so yeah. Once we plug into the actual um, uh, data, then um, um, we'll have live data for it, and uh, it's going to behave as as your conventional Monero onion box would, um, just you know, except a bit more uh, uh, streamlined, I would say, but you know, with the same functionality. Mm -hmm. The difference is it's actually running on your own node or something. Yeah, like exactly. It, it, it's right. data from the node that you're running, so you can actually, yeah, you, you can you can view anything that's on the device, basically. Uh, this this is beautiful, man. Great job, guys. 
Brindle, well, great you. job, uh, you know, actually programming this. Abdullah, obviously, amazing, amazing job of run, running the whole show. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this is my first time seeing this. Uh, I, know, I know you guys have been hacking away. Um, this is fantastic. This is amazing. I appreciate it. Um, all right, I'm going to, uh, I'm actually going to remove this now, Abdullah. And yep, yep. Uh, we're, we're about, we're coming up on an hour and a half here. So I think this is a good time to maybe close it out. I'm just going to put up the actual website so people can see. Yeah, so we are, uh, you know, as I said at, at the at the outset here, we're selling them already, even though, you know, we're not ready to ship yet. Um, they're $500. If you buy one now in the pre-sale, you get the special Monero orange version, which is which is super cool. So we're only going to sell, I think, 50 of those, right, Abdullah? We have it? Right. That's a limited run of, uh, of 50 and... Um... Uh, each case is going to be ha uh, having its own machine serial number, so that's something for oh, sweet. Uh, uh, but if you want a black one, let us know, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll make that happen. That's a black is obviously going to be a permanent color, uh, and uh, fifth, the orange is just the special edition. Um, I, I think uh, briefly, if you could just talk about the price, because I know the community had some concerns about that. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, if you look at it from the perspective of the do-it-yourself solution with the uh, Raspberry Pi, uh, it's uh, there's going to be some discrepancy. You're going to find $500 a little steep, but I would uh, I would say given the the integrations and the custom chipset, I mean, obviously we're going to the trouble of uh, having the entire PCB fabricated with these uh, state-of-the-art integrations. And so it's uh, it's really a very uh, uh, versatile and uh, 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 reliable chipset. And uh, uh, the idea is that you know it's going to take care of a lot of accessories and things of this nature that you would have to get if you were trying to build one out yourself. And Yeah, it's, it's just about uh, justifying that price. We've got uh, um, the SSD as well, um, and that's not just a Gen, a Gen 3 SSD. It's, you know, the faster Gen 4 version. So, you know, all these small things, they add up, and uh, we just wanted to give, give you guys the best experience and, uh, um, and the best uh, production quality as well because uh, the... Uh, I mean, we, we could have cut costs in, in many ways, like getting these cases 3D printed and, you know, um, skimping out on a lot of uh, integrations that would uh, have um, translated to better costs for you. But um, even though cost was a concern, I would say that uh, we wanted to uh, do what's best for um, a great Monero experience first and then uh, factor in the price of... Uh, uh, even though I think we've managed a great balance uh, between performance and uh, and price, uh, um, yeah, yeah no, it, I mean uh, when you when you look at the the competition, um, we're we're we 
percent lower, I think, than really all these other pre-built node devices, right? Oh, um, for sure, for sure, definitely. And, and uh, uh, you know, we're we we don't even break even until I don't even know what the number is, right? I think we have to sell like a hundred of these before we even yeah. approach uh, break even on this. So. This isn't, uh, you know, we're not becoming millionaires overnight with this one, guys. This is, this is, uh, we're, we we want to we wanted to set the price. We wanted to create a product um, that would be plug and play, so we could essentially the mission of Monero Nodal Project is to get as many people as possible running nodes. Yeah, and you got to remember, it's not an it's not an, an application specific thing for Monero. You you can take it out of the box, plug in a keyboard and a mouse in and a, a display and you can play games on it if you want to. I mean, it's it's a computer, you know? One thing that's important to realize is if you start skimping at the front end, then you end up with a lower cost in the long run because mm -hmm. of you don't have the scalability and you don't have the, re the redundancy and you don't have the fact that it's going to be on for a while. So you may be a bit more upfront, but you'll save money down the road. Very That's true. been my experience with these kind of things. So, so you have to, there's, there has to be a balance and an optimization between cost and um, performance. Um, and obviously, but you also want to be able to have something that you don't have to keep upgrading all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's a good place to close it out. We're at about an hour and a half. Yes, yeah, so guys, anybody who's watching this that is intrigued uh jump on it grab one uh you'll get a limited edition orange noto and you'll just also help the project because that each each purchase gives us more momentum that's why we're doing this pre-sale uh you know we we want to make sure that the uh you know the community is behind it and actually wants these notos and we're seeing a lot of great feedback so it looks like so 13 people have purchased them already we have 27 in stock of the orange ones uh, yeah, we'd like to we'd like to sell out all all fifty um, for pre-sale, and that will uh, certainly give us some good momentum forward. Abdullah, anything else you want to close out on? Anything you, you want to make sure you get out there that you that you have on your mind? No, I, I would say it's uh, uh, it's more uh, um, our personal uh, passion into Monero and uh, kind of. Uh, it boils down to the need for, for Monero, in my mind, uh, um, running your own node and, and stuff like this. This is just uh, the resiliency and uh, uh, just uh, from, uh, from a, a security perspective, it's, uh, it's essentially running your own bank, right? Uh, if you're running your own node, in, in a sense, in the traditional uh, fiat system, like when you're sending a transaction, you send it through a bank. And so in, in that sense, um, I, I think it's uh, is it, uh, having a, a bunch of these nodes out there in the world is really going to um, uh, make a difference to the, to the network and uh, um, also be able to stick around and, uh, you know, um, uh, keep contributing to the Monero network in, in the future, I would say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that would be the main uh, contribution of this project uh, to the Monero community. And uh, of course, it's uh, the fact that it's accessible and cheap and, you know, powerful and is just uh, kind of uh, cherry on the cake in my mind. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the goal is to get you know thousands of people around the world uh, purchasing Nodos to make it, you know. Right, and we'll provide updates. We'll continue to refine this. You know. Uh, yes, for sure. It's it's been almost a year and a half uh, to get to this point. Uh, probably more because, uh, but um, it, it's definitely been worth it uh, because uh, Monero has the potential to kind of. Uh, uh, you know, get us out of this uh, dystopian uh, um, future that we're looking at. Uh, so it's, it's uh, uh, yeah, I would say definitely it's, uh, um, I'm really personally invested in the, in the, in the project and its success. And I really hope uh, you all feel the same way as well. Oh, for sure. I can yeah. definitely see these being used in, uh, in like smaller communities. Like the, um, what, what was the guy's name? Jake? From Alaska, yeah, he just an amazing he, guy, dude. I actually, I yeah, you can adjust that number, Abdullah, because he he bought two of them. Uh, Let's see, there not, you go. <laughs> not, not through the not through the site. Um, so yeah, we, we can adjust that. So there's actually been been fifteen sold. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Brindle, anything you want to close out with? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's been a pleasure and an honor to work on this project, and I'm uh, actually really glad that I was able to join you on the show um yeah i i have high hopes for the project i think it's gonna go uh incredibly well uh yeah that, that's really it i i hope i uh, encounter one in the wild at some point <laughs> that'd be awesome, beautiful man. yeah 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 uh arctic any anything to close out on absolute pleasure to work on, on this um design a, a product that can actually handle the growth of monero in the in the near to, to medium term. And I think I was really, it'd be an excellent work with Abdullah on this, as far as getting the, the right balance between keeping the cost at the reasonable level and having something that can actually, um, you know, serve us for some time um, and serve the community for, for a period of time. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, we're we're obviously we're honored that you uh, uh, you know kind of kind of joined the group here and were part of the project and you were willing to to work with us and work with Abdullah to, to get this going. That, that was that was fantastic. Thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Greatly, greatly appreciate that. Uh, thank you, everybody. And yeah, um, so this this concludes the 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 Nodo Monero talk. I'm sure I'll have Abdullah on Monerotopia at some point. We could do like a Q&A. So for those that are watching this that might have some questions, uh, I think we'll, we'll have Abdullah come on. Obviously, Brindle's welcome. Arctic Mind jumps on all the time. But we'll, mm -hmm. we'll do that. And I'm sure we'll be continuing to talk about the Nodo as, as things progress. But yeah, it's full speed ahead, guys. Uh, order your Nodo. If... God forbid something were to happen, you'll get all your money back. Uh, we accept it. You know, everybody's, uh, you have, essentially, you have to pay in Monero. So whatever amount of Monero you pay, um, whatever that value is of $500 at the time, whatever, I don't know, let's, let's say it's five Monero. Uh, if God forbid something happens and we're not able to pull through, we'll, we'll send you back that that five Monero, whatever the amount is you paid. Uh, but we're, we're, we're fairly certain we're going to make it to the finish line at this point. And uh, the one way you can help us is by just ma making a pre-order. That helps give us momentum. Uh, thanks again, guys. And uh, we'll be in Thank touch. You. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. And uh, Arctic, I'll see you soon in uh, Monero. In um, Prague.
yeah see you in a couple days wow yeah right so long ciao hi Monero land thank you for joining us on this week's episode we release new episodes every week you can find and subscribe to our show on youtube odyssey itunes spotify stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts go to monero talk.live for a full list of places where you can watch and listen if you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in monerotalk.crypto in your monero.com or CakeWallet send address field to send us a tip. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to being back next week.